Hello and welcome back to the Life of the Game podcast um, hosted by your own Tamia Williams. Um, we're just going to talk about a few couple of things today. Um, but first, let's talk about the NBA and last night, James Harden against the Milwaukee Bucks. Russell Westbrook came in with 30 points. Um, James Harden, he still was able to score for some way, somehow, even though he might not have his best game. But most of it was Russell Westbrook last night doing normally what he does in his mid-range and going straight to the basket. As far as the Milwaukee Bucks, Chris Middleton, who is other than Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, he is the 50-40-90 guy in the league right now. Last year, I believe, or last year before, it was Michael Brogdon with the Milwaukee Bucks. But my issue from last night going forward not with the Houston Rockets and what they do. Both of these teams, they're going to do what makes them happy. They're going to do what makes them comfortable. You got six, eight, six, nine, seven feet players who should be in the paint, but they're going to jack up threes, including Giannis. We're going to look at the uh, we're going to look at the Houston Rockets. We're going to see Russell Westbrook attack the basket, do his little wild thing. James Harden do his little step back. Have Malcolm Moore or PJ Tucky in the corner. Shooting for a three. My issue from last night is going to be the Milwaukee Bucks in the near future in the playoffs. The Milwaukee Bucks, you cannot, I, I, I don't understand this. They did the same thing with Toronto. They did the same thing with other teams before where they could have went to the championship. They have too many guys who are starting at the three-point line. The reason why they came back last night, the Milwaukee Bucks, was the abuse that Giannis finally wanted to make and the Brooke Lopez who finally wanted to rebound and get in the paint. They're going to have this issue. They're going to have this issue that was led by eight points with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. All they had to do was keep doing the same thing. I don't understand why Brooke Lopez was taken out of the game. Because at that time, you should be taking advantage of that. And the reason why, because now it has seemed like the Bucks are the first team in the NBA history to lose when scoring 110 points, out-rebounding their opponent by 25, and holding their opponent below 40% shooting. How in the world... Can you lose to that such a degree? It is because they are not taking advantage of their size. And if you get, I mean, all those open threes, yeah, Macklemore, P.J. Tucker, and Covington are good three-point shooters. But just imagine if you do that against a, a Danny Green or a uh, J.R. Smith in the championship or Paul George or Kawhi Leonard or Shamet or any of those guys that you're going to be playing off of, or let's talk about Kimball Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Those guys are like 35 to 40% three-point shooters. That is going to be the issue, and to me, that is going to be the problem. That is going to be the problem. They are not, they are not willing to change their game plan, and it doesn't have to be to the point where you completely lose your identity, but you take advantage of what they give you. And the Houston Rockets are exposed for not having enough big man or enough rebounders around after trading Click Capella. 
You are the Milwaukee Bucks. You have at least to four to five guys on your roster that is six, five and above. Why are you not taking advantage of that? Giannis, of course, he had a good, pretty good game due to his 31 points, but I felt like he should have had 40 or 50 points. He could be doing that on numerous occasions. But, yes, we understand Giannis wants to elevate his game. He wants to be a better shooter. He wants to improve in his jump shot, which clearly we can see that due to his beginning years. But still you take advantage of what they give you. I don't have no problem if Giannis wants to dribble up the ball and he sees a wide open lane and he uses his body and his advantage. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But what I do have a problem with, if there is already a wall and there is already a defense, a defense set up for you, why are you still trying to find a way to get to the basket? You need to give the ball to George Hill. And right now, due to the coronavirus, he is still out, which is Eric Bledsoe. But I feel like if you're going to take those guys out, then you need to start Giannis at the box, which they did with Brooke Lopez, and that's how they got in the game, by taking advantage of their size. You cannot do, you cannot do that. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. If they want to be successful in the near future, the Milwaukee Bucks, they're going to have to take advantage of their size because you're, no matter how much you try to out-rebound them, we're going to be scratching our head when we look at the statistics and they're still losing or they still have yet. They, they've been having all of these big records and they've been having all of these, these, these all-time wins. But we still, I'm still scratching my head on how they still have not made it to the NBA Finals. Yes, the Toronto Raptors was a good team. They was a great team. They had a great player with some pretty decent players. But I am just scratching my head because why is it that why is it that the the team that had Mike Bragney that had Eric Bledsoe at the time who didn't show up, but you still had those players? I am still scratching my head on why the Milwaukee Bucks have not been to the NBA Finals, but they've been in MVP conversations. They have been in the, the, the winning, uh, winning conversation. They have been in the per- percentage and the efficiency. But as far as getting to the NBA Finals, they have not even gotten there yet. And that is my issue with the Milwaukee Bucks because I feel like they have what it takes to get to the team. They lost Mike Brogdon, who was a 50-40-90 guy before Chris Middleton. They, they, they lost... Uh, they lost uh, a lot, a lot of, of good things from him and on um, some other players as well down the line. But you still was able to be efficient in your conference. And my confusion is, why have they not gotten to the NBA Finals? And the reason why they have not gotten to the NBA Finals is because you use your best player, who right now is not an Oscar Robinson. Right now, he's not a Wilt Chamberlain. I'm not telling you that if Giannis has a wide open three, be confident in taking those threes. But his, his attempts in the paint should not be less than the attempts that he has on the three-point line. He should be running to the box. If there's a wide open lane and nobody's paying attention, then he can dribble as many times up the court as he wants to. But if he does not start at the bottom, that is going to be an issue because you already have four guys on the three-point line. And y'all talking about spacing and all of that stuff, but if the defense is already set up, 
Giannis is so used to bringing the ball up to the top instead of running down to the floor that it doesn't even matter. And the wide open threes, I know that this this team is not going to be perfect. Every single last thing they're going to do is perfect. Their weakness is that they're leaving a lot of open threes up for a lot of people to take. I wonder how Miami Heat is going to feel about that. You have Hero, you have Robinson, you have a lot of players. Uh, you have Andre Iguodala, you have a lot of players who has experience and know how to shoot efficiently, especially now that they're developing, now they're tough-minded. That is going to be a concern because if you leave Miami Heat open like that with threes, then I don't. Then I think that the Miami Heat has to say something about that. I still don't believe in the Boston Celtics because, I mean, they they just don't have no size, period, at all. Um, I know that they had the guy from um I know they had uh the guy from Portland but I I don't think that he he's an offensive guy he's not a defensive guy so I wouldn't count him as that much of a caliber player the issue that I am having the issue that I I am having is that the Milwaukee Bucks do not use their advantage which exactly was lacking in their conference which is size I mean you got bam bam you got a limit you got all these guys in Miami, which I do see causing a problem as far as the amount of threes they're going to get. But my issue is that they're not taking advantage of their size, which I do see is going to be a problem. It is going to be a problem. And that is why I've been scratching my head not understanding why the Milwaukee Bucks has not gone to the championship. And the reason for that is they are not taking advantage of their size. Um, that is how I'm feeling about that. Speaking of, um, when we come back, um, speaking of that, the Miami heat, the Miami heat and Jimmy Butler, why in the world, if we're so much about the cause and we're so much about representation and how much this means to the individual players who are of color and without the million dollar contracts, without the endorsements, they walking down the street with the hoodie on. They're in a car tinted with big rims, driving down on Melrose or wherever they at and get pulled over by a cop. It's not going to matter who they are. And it, it, it probably don't even matter if they know who they are. The point is, we know where this is going. So we're going to talk about that as well. Okay. So um, not only has it been reported, but it has been shown before Miami was playing their game, that Jimmy Butler changed over his jersey to the back of Butler when it was blank. Basically, his statement was, no matter what he is, no matter what he puts back up there, at the end of the day, he's going to be a black man, and there's nothing that he can do about it. Other ones are Black Lives Matter. Other one is uh, peace, vote, um, different things like that, educational reform, and... Uh, I just think that how I feel about this is that the NBA or whatever their intentions are, that they're trying to make good of this, they're not really focused on the purpose. Yes, we have the advertisements before the game. Yes, we have advertisements on TV. Yes, there's a lot of things. That, that needs to be exposed and needs to be in people's faces all day, every day and not be running away from. 
that, you know, a Trayvon Marner, Eric Garner, that's not something that we talk about a couple of weeks and get back to normal. But I mean, that's how the world works. I mean, if you, if you think about somebody that has passed away, you know, after those two weeks, you got all of those folks in your faces. You got them all people being concerned. People got a life, you know, they got to live it. They can't be living under the realm of what other people have going on. But that's just how it is. I mean, you have somebody passed away. You go check up on them that first week, those couple of weeks. And then after that, you just go about your business. So this is, this is not just a personal thing directed towards somebody who has been just affected but we're talking about now a global thing where it has now hit everybody personally because of not just the fact it was a person that died. It was a person that died for the wrong reasons. Not a natural cause. It's not because of an accident. Not because of um, something that, that, that just happened. None of that. It was because somebody was an ignorant and was just full of stupidity that they was putting their hand, their their knee on somebody's neck for eight minutes. So to know that that can happen to anybody on any occasion on any day, that hits them personal because they've heard this story numerous of times. But now it has come to a point where it doesn't even matter about that. And now you're in, and now you have another case where you could be in your home, not cause anybody no problems after a long day of work, after a long day of, 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 of trying to get stuff together, taking care of yourself and your family, somebody break in your house and they can identify that you're not the person that they're looking for. And yet still they try to validate and find some reason to kill you for it. And there's no other reason other than being ignorant and discriminating. So I thought that was the the, the thing I was looking at. But the NBA must have looked at that something totally different. Because yes, it's good that that this is a platform that these players can use. Millions of followers, millions of dollars, millions of communities that know of them and they know of them. And all of this stuff. And yes, it's nice that you can be able to change your jersey and change the back of what it says and all of that. But that does not mean nothing. It does not mean nothing. If you're not going out to your communities, which you have every right because you're grown and you see how things fit, then that's fine. That is all fine. But let's stop acting like this is going to cause or solve the problem. This is just a being aware of it. This is just giving people who don't want to see it and put it right in their eyes. So when they open their eyes again, they're going to see the same thing that this is not right. This is not okay. But making Jimmy Butler change his change his change his jersey because he didn't want to put nothing on it. It's just it 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 it, it doesn't it doesn't wrap around what you're trying to wrap it around or what you're trying to make it perceive to people who are really upset about this. Uh, the, 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 the guy is is telling the truth. If he didn't have these millions of dollars, and if he didn't be, if he wasn't this rich, 
And, you know, I, I'm, I, I like Jimmy Butler or whatever. And, of course, with this coronavirus, you can't go to the barbershop or you can't go get a lineup. But if he was to walk out like he just did right then, it don't make no difference. It don't make no difference. And even if he had the millions of dollars, even if, they, if, he, even if he was well known, it would have still not mattered. Because some of that just drives it even more for a person who knows somebody of that magnitude has done better for themselves or doesn't see them as they want to see them. That even drives the force more to act on that kind of behavior. So yes, the NBA. We have given you a round of applause and I have given you a round of applause as far as the league, as far as doing the best you can with what you can, as far as the bubble. But this, as the Black Lives Matter movement, this is not just a trend and this is not just something that, you know, you do to be, this, this is not your safe blanket. This is not your safe place to keep your business rolling, which I do believe some of these corporations or most of these corporations, that is what their mindsets are. But it should be deeper than that. It should be deeper than that. And making a player who you gave the choice and has the right to have a choice on what he wants to put on the back of his jersey. Because if you're not going to punish for somebody who's going to stand up for the national anthem, when you have someone like Colin Kaepernick who completely lost his job and got completely punished for it, then why in the world are you going to make Jimmy Butler remove his jersey? Now, to some, it might not be a big deal. But if we're talking about symbolic stuff, what signs or symbols, uh, symbols are you trying to give us of him changing his jersey if that's how he feels personally? Because that is the truth. That is the truth. As much as it is for reformation and education and imprisonment and all of these other things going on, what just happened to that man... George Floyd, the officer did not see educational reform. He did not see Black Lives Matter. He saw a black man, period. That's it. He saw a black man. No matter how much money he had, no matter what he was doing throughout the day, that did not stop that man from putting his knee on his neck for eight minutes. For Breonna Taylor, she won't having a party. She won't, she, she won't bumping her radio up, up high. She wasn't fighting somebody outside. She, won't, she was getting her rest, and still she got shot for it. That is the message that Jimmy Butler, and that's what hit him the most. So if he wants to have a jersey with nothing on it, NBA, if you are all about the cause, and if you're all about how this individually hurts everybody to every level, and they want to use their platform, if his platform and on his jersey and it says nothing, then let him have it. Because I'm not confused. I'm not surprised because... This is just how it is. But 
the message that you're trying to get across as a brand and what you're trying to sell, it doesn't add up for somebody who just wants to put nothing on their jersey. So this is why I agree with Stephen A. This is why I agree with some other anchors about what are you really going to do? We see basketball coaches that are black. We see black. We see a lot of black players who's getting a lot of these uh, maxed out contracts. If you ain't Magic Johnson or if you ain't uh, Ijiri from the Toronto Raptors, or if you're not the best player that ever lived owning an NBA team, what else do you have to offer? What else do you have to offer? Because I'm still not seeing no black executives. I'm still not seeing no black general managers. I'm still not seeing those too many. If they, I'm not talking about we know of. I'm not talking about Michael Jordan. We all know who he is. I'm talking about somebody we ain't never seen before, never heard of, but because of the qualifications that they have, that they will not be discriminated or they will get minimum opportunities because of the color of their skin. Why am I not seeing that? I'm not talking about just black people. I'm, I'm talking about anybody who was qualified for it. The ethnicity or where they come from or where they're inherited from should not matter as long as they're bringing you what you want, which is the check. Because 60 to 75 to 85% of the NFL, of the, of, of the NBA is black. So, yes, we're putting money in y'all pockets. So, Jimmy Butler, if he wants to change the name on his jersey, I don't know if I should cry about this. I don't know if I should get all my hopes up high. And have you ever had that like celeb crush or just one thing you know is not going to happen and it's not going to be meant for you? You had your talks, you had your conversations. You did pretty much all you can do. You had your good times while they was good in a short period of time and all of this going on is just mind-boggling really mind-boggling how you can vision that one thing a person with someone else now ladies and gentlemen i have switched over to my emotional side because now, despite of his reckless behavior and despite of him doing things that I couldn't even watch the whole video or seeing him do things on the sideline that I'm like, man, just calm down. I mean, I mean, you're, you were winning. You're, you're getting your statistics. You're, you're, you're not doing a whole bunch of crazy stuff. And then you went go to your little daddy and you the little son going fishing with Dion Waiters. And now you have seen my emotional side because now I have just gotten reports that Antonio Brown is returning to the NFL. Now for some of y'all, or I'm just saying, 
from my attitude and from the expression I am expressing to you about Antonio Brown, that should give you a feeling that no, I am not a Raiders fan. I am not a Patriots fan, will never be, despite if Tom Brady is there or not, which now he is not. But that comes from the soul and the hurt, the animosity that you want to have, but you just can't have it. You just want him to do better. You just want him to be better. And that's me as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Antonio Brown is planning on to return to football. It has been reported that he is going to be suspended for eight games. So for all that you was doing, Antonio Brown, your punishment was not to be completely kicked out of the NFL, but you are going to be suspended for only eight games. I just... You know, even though this is going to kill any financial leverage that he would have in a contract, um, he will be playing probably a legal a league minimum deal with some incentives thrown in. <sighs> okay. Get it together to me, get it together. I am that person that is getting my hopes up high. As if he's going to come back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I do this all the time. And I don't know why I put myself in these torturing, crazy situations in my mind. Because I'm thinking that, you know, hey, it's going to be an eight-season suspension. He's going to come back to Pittsburgh. We got Juju. We got James Conner. We got these running backs. We just signed a guy from Notre Dame. We got all of these things going on. We got a pretty solid defense when Antonio Brown um, before he was, before Antonio Brown left, we was pitiful. We had a terrible defense, and now you know Le'Veon Bell is not here, but we still, I think, have a pretty good running game, and I and I do think that we're gonna get better, and all of this yada 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 and yada. But no, Juju Smith-Schuster is still the number one option, and has not been successful, and I consider him a very well. He's like a young version of Skylar Diggs or a young version of Adam Thielen. You have two of guys on that field. He's better as a second option or a third option. He is not the number one wide receiver because every time he gets double teamed, it's very unlikely that he's going to be able to do some. Let's not forget Antonio Brown was carrying that load even though he was the MVP of the team, which was Juju Smith-Schuster before all of that explosion happened. But really, it was Antonio Brown. I am not justifying what Antonio Brown did. I think that the NFL, one thing they are doing right so far is by this guy's talent. Um, and also, he did himself justice by not getting the guarantees that he would have gotten the contracts that he signed with Oakland and he signed with Pittsburgh. But y'all just don't understand how talented and and I know that he's the one that messed it up. I'm not giving him a bottle. I'm not giving him no formula. I'm not giving him a pacifier. I'm not even changing his diaper. I'm just saying that I am so happy that he's going to be back in the league. Because 
We have our old Dale Beckham Juniors who claims the blonde is back but hasn't produced or haven't been the same since his rookie year. We have Michael Thomas, which, yeah, Michael Thomas, he's a great guy. You know, he's, he's, he's a great guy. What he's doing, he's getting all of these statistics. He just got a $100 million contract. $75 million of that is guaranteed. And, 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 and you got Drew Brees, which crickets. I don't even want to discuss Drew Brees, um, even though he's one of the most accurate and still durable, uh, durable quarterbacks um, at his age. Um, and he will go down into the Hall of Fame. There's no question about that. But when we talk about that, and they also did bring Emmanuel Sanders. Um, they still have some other good wideouts, but um, it's going to be Emmanuel Sanders adding to the into the mix. So, you know, there's some good wide receivers out here. I'm not going to lie to you. You still got Julio Jones, who it feel like he's been here for 20, 30 years, but he's still in his best of shape. He's still not causing a whole lot of problems. He's still dealing with Matt Ryan, who some way, somehow cannot get his stuff together because when you look at the fact that they could have won the Super Bowl and, and it basically was like a Georgia-Alabama effect, reversing back to that when they was playing against the Patriots, being up by 20 points and still not being able to figure it out. You got all of these wide outs. You got one of the best wide receivers. Some way, somehow, Matt Ryan is one of the highest paid quarterbacks, but you're, you but you have one of the best wide outs as well. And some way, somehow, you can't even pull over a 500 record. That just bothers me. But we're talking about Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is one of the most hardworking by report reporters. He's one of the most hardworking. He's one of the most talented. He, he's not injury prone. The only problem that he is not dependable on is his behavior. The reliable thing of him is his behavior. But if we take an account of everything else that he has done, everything that he has done with the Pittsburgh Steelers, he definitely could have gone down and still probably if he gets himself together, he can go down as one of the best wide receivers. I don't care what anybody says. You put Julio Jones in there. You put Odell in there. You put Michael Thomas in there. You put DeAndre Hawkins in there. You put Julio Jones in there. I don't care what any of y'all say. I am taking Antonio Brown at the top of that list over all of them. Over all of them. Over all of them. And this is why his behavior and how it worked out with the Pittsburgh Steelers made me so upset. Because, because how can, can, can we go from having Le'Veon Bell to Antonio Brown to just imagine if the defense that we had last year and having Antonio Brown and Juju and Le'Veon this year and, and Big Ben as much as I question him and as much as the retirement check is calling his name, he still is one of the – I would still take him over any of these quarterbacks that's getting all of this money today. I, I, I would take him right now. I still believe that he can produce numbers and he can still make big plays. Let's not forget when Big Ben played against the New Orleans Saints. That was not his call for Juju Smith-Schuster to fumble the football. And that would have, we would have advanced in the playoffs. That was not completely his fault. That was him fumbling the football and our defense was a shell of itself. But just imagine the defense that we got right now. Look at the pieces that we got.
got we got JJ Watt's brother. We got we, JJ Watt just born another good defensive player who is going to be so much better down the road. And we look at picking up all of those pieces, and we picked up Fitzpatrick, and we look we look at what we got right now, and we're just looking at the defense that we had. Just imagine if we had the same offense, but it went out of control. Le'Veon, we see what situation he is in right now. Ever since he left Pittsburgh, he's not even being content due to the fact that he didn't get the money he want, but he still got his money, that he's still not satisfied. And, you know, they have him in a little real housewives of the New York Jets going on between him and Jamal Adams because he feels some type of way about Jamal Adams leaving, which I don't blame Jamal Adams for leaving because he's been there producing all of those numbers. He's been doing all of those things for New York, and he see he's not going nowhere with the coach that he's having. So now he's with the other part, and we all hope that, you know, that works out, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But most importantly, Antonio Brown is, not, is no longer with us. And I've been sobbing and grieving for months now. And I'm trying to get over it. I'm trying to get over it. I'm trying to do the best I can to get over it. But it's hard for me because y'all don't realize how talented he was. Yes, they're going to be another fourth or fifth round pick somewhere down the line that might not be as good but might be close to. But he's not Antonio Brown. And I hope I'm not making him a football guy and he's not even treating or acting or having the behavior to be considered one. But I'm just saying the guy was special. Talented, he was special. No question asked. So with that all being said, for all of you Steelers fans out there that are experiencing the pain and the anger and the and the resent, resentment against Antonio Brown, we got to let it go. We got to let it go. We got a bigger problem, and it's the bigger problem is Big Ben. And we hope that you know, our organization as a whole is way stronger and is way more durable and we're more good about handling things, especially after all of that. We still had an eight and eight season, regardless of not having our quarterback, regardless of debating on who's gonna throw the most turnovers or who's gonna throw more interceptions than touchdowns on that game between Randolph and Duck. Okay, I get it. But what I am telling you is, what I am telling you is that right now, right now, all we can do is hope that he stays somewhere and helps and gets the help he needs. And I say that to release the pain I had after he left Pittsburgh. I haven't talked about it to myself. Any Steeler fans I come in contact with, it just stirs my spirit when I talk to about Antonio Brown. Because he is one of and will go down in the Hall of Fame and will be one of the greatest, most talented wide receivers of all time. And to see him in, not in black and yellow, it is really going to hurt. But we got to focus. We got to move on. We got to some way figure out who's going to be our next quarterback because huh, it ain't going to be Randolph. And I hope it don't be Duck because 
I'm sorry, I might have to find me another team or I'm going to just have to be yellow or be black. I can't be both because if I see them again on the field, I'm not going to know what in the world I'm going to do. You might have your hopes up high for one game, but if you got three or four games and one of those players playing, Lord have mercy. But the guy that doesn't get the credit he deserves in some way, somehow, he's coming into the conversation of Mike getting fired or all of this stuff when that stuff is going on. We got to give credit to Mike Tomlin. It ain't going to start tomorrow. I'm not going to wait till I hear it on the radio. I'm not going to wait till one of the, the anchors or anybody else on their podcast say, I'm going to say it. Mike Tomlin is underappreciated. Because of the Rooney rule that was created, we've covered that with him. But we can't forget what he has done with this organization. For all of that stuff to spill out and spill over, the fact that he was still able to some way, somehow fight for a playoff spot says a lot about him as a coach and it says a lot about this organization. And my main concern with this right now is that we need to find another quarterback because I don't want to be in the position like Eli Manning was with the Giants. I don't want to see Big Ben in that situation. I think this needs to be the last year of Big Ben. I think that we need to move on next year. I hope that we might get a Trevor Lawrence or we might get another quarterback, whichever uh, prospects are good and going to be great in the NFL. I think that we need to be focused on that. Wide receivers, I think we're good at wide receivers. I'm hearing that Martavius Bryant is thinking about coming back. That will be an interesting piece, but I want to see as far as health-wise and durability, is he even what half of what he used to be when he was playing for us? But as far as overall, the main concern that we need to be thinking about is establishing our running game and establishing our quarterback position. Because Big Ben, I don't want to see him next year after this year. If the season, if the, if there, if there is a season, or if there isn't a season, which I'm pretty much sure it is, I don't want to see it being next year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it's time to wrap it up and say goodbye. Thanks for all that you're doing because we cannot. I, we we are a culture of winning. We're not a culture for losing. So I, I am going to be real interested in that. And I really hope that we'll be able to get ourselves together and figure it out. So now the question is, where Antonio Brown? He's a free agent, so where is he going? You know, one quarterback that's been able to, two quarterbacks, Two quarterbacks that right now are not getting not being appreciated by their contracts, they're being appreciated by the talent that is surrounding them or the drafting and the trades. I mean, one's got a great defensive player, but it's not going he all he can he only can do so much by forcing and turning over the ball. But if you don't have that many wideouts to throw to is that going to be able to get the job done? We look at another situation where a quarterback, where you got all of these wide receivers in the draft class, and instead of them drafting a wide receiver so you can advance in the playoffs, when you already got somebody named Mr. Jones and Devontae Adams, 
and they and you got somebody in Randall Cobb who's now with the Cowboys, but you but they still haven't drafted a wide receiver, so they have the audacity in your face and basically saying we thank you for all we do, we shaking our hands, we kissing each other's faces and rubbing our hands and keeping it moving, and only drafted a quarterback. With these two organizations, one of them is well-known throughout the league and well-respected for their culture. Another one is well-respected for drafting a quarterback that was taken in a lower class. And that is Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. These are the highest paid, the most talented, but the most under the most unappreciated, the, the most overlooked quarterbacks. We look at Tom Brady, we look at Drew Brees, we look at all of these other, we look at all of these other quarterbacks. But how are we not gonna sit here and look at the fact that Russell Westbrook is a Super Bowl champion and hasn't had I, I don't see him ever had an A A plus, an A triple plus, a quadruple quarter bounder type of wide receiver that he could throw to. You got Tyler Lockett and you just got D- DK Metcalf. And even though as far as his physicality, we were still not crazy in general as a whole in the sports world, we was not crazy about this, about DK Metcalf coming into the draft. That we're not too crazy or raving about him. I am talking about a wide receiver that has gotten the hype, coming into college, coming out of the draft. Someone that could be really, 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 really doing something. And we have Tyler Lockett and we have DK Mathcap. Russell Westbrook, I mean, sorry, Russell Wilson, other than that, has not gotten a very, very good wideout. It's the same situation with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, he's a very, very, very good, very, very good wide receiver. The top five that I just gave you earlier would include Tony Brown. Devontae Adams is not in that conversation. Pretty much all of y'all would take those other wide receivers before you take Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is a very good wide receiver. But is he a threat? Is he somebody I'm making defensive plays for or trying to figure out? Not really. Not really. So when I look at Antonio Brown and him as a free agent, I want him to be a part of a culture that's about unity, a culture of respect for one another. And I'm not and I'm saying that the best option for him will probably be the Seattle Seahawks right now. But also, that doesn't matter where he go is what he wants to do when he gets there as well. That's got something to do with it. Because even though Pittsburgh, we had our ways about how we handle stuff. And I do agree that, you know, Big Ben Roethlisberger sometimes do play like a Brock Osweiler. And sometimes he could play like he's a Hall of Famer. But the, but, the, but the conversation, we're not talking about Big Ben is playing a Brock Osweiler. We're just talking about him coming back. After this, after this season that we had. What we're talking about, what I am talking about, is that what you're going to do to the team that you're going to. Because these are established cultures. And you do this again, they're not going to put up with it. So I think the best guy that he can work with, 
who definitely has a positive outlook and is very respected in the locker room, I think is Russell Wilson. And I think Russell Wilson will never, ever, 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 ever in the rest of his career, as far as the way it has been going, as far as drafting-wise, will get a receiver like Antonio Brown. But Antonio Brown, he's going to have to be willing not to risk that for them to prove him wrong because I do believe that if Antonio Brown goes to the Seahawks, then the Seahawks becomes in a conversation of at least attending to the NFC Championship. Because I know Antonio Brown and his work, and I, I'm not saying I don't know him personally, but as far as what I what I have heard of him and see how he's been putting work on the field, you can tell the guy's very hardworking. You can tell that it looks easy to him. And nothing looks easy as much as you've been working hard behind the scenes. So I'm not saying I know him, but I know for a fact of what of what I've been seeing on tape and seeing his highlights and his practices, the dude goes after it. He goes after it. So I truly believe that this is going to have to take Antonio Brown to calm his nerves, knowing that you already lost a lot of your money that you could have made already that you put yourself in jeopardy. So really all you got else is to just prove to yourself that I can play what I love without getting a little bit out of control and a little bit out of whack for what I need to be solving on my own personal level and my own, my own personal time. But I think that he's one of the most talented and is the one of the best wide receivers of all time going down at, when, when it's all said and done. But you, you are a free agent. It's just a matter of time who's going to be giving you the chance because it's going to be very hard after what you did with the Oakland Raiders, what you did with the Pittsburgh Steelers, what you do with all of this. It's going to be real interesting to see who's going to reach out to him. I'm just saying I hope who's going to reach out to him, but is there really going to be anybody that's going to reach out to him because of this? But he, but the NFL suspended him for eight games if he does come into the season. So it's going to be interesting who picks him up. I would like to see Green Bay or the Seahawks pick him up. I'm not even going to put my team back in the conversation because I just – it would just rival me up and get me all excited, and we know that that's not going to happen. So I got to be realistic and look at the other options. I have to look at the fact that, you know, the Green Bay Packers, despite all of this, I'm telling you, with the Green Bay Packers, after they drafted that quarterback, I don't care if this is what other organizations do with the type of quarterback that you have in Aaron Rodgers and you didn't even draft him, the wide receivers that we was getting in the, in the past draft, and to draft a quarterback – that t- tell me that's not scratching his head. Tell me he's not scratching his head about that. He is definitely scratching his head about that. He is definitely feeling salty about that. He's definitely feeling some kind of way about that. That's just not so, oh, you know, NFL teams do it all the time. No, you have not given me the weapons other than Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb. You have not given me any other reason that I should be confident in our chances of contending for a Super Bowl if you're not going to give me the pieces I need around it. Our defense is average. Our wideouts, other than Devonta Adams, is average. Jimmy Graham was a good tight end, but he's not what he was. So let's be honest. 
So I hope Antonio Brown, which I don't know how this is going to work out. I'm more confident him going to Seattle. I don't, I don't think going back to Oakland is, is going to happen. Going back to Pittsburgh is going to happen. I don't think him going to New England is going to happen, even though they have gotten Cam Newton. I, I don't see that happening. I see him probably going to establish culture and a culture who's willing to give people second chances. And I don't see a whole lot of those teams out there. But if I do want to see him with a team that is very established, that is very firm on what they stand for, I would definitely go with the Seattle Seahawks. But once again, he's been with the Patriots, who's a very firm and very about what they're about, and it didn't work out with them. So I just want to know if it's going to work out with anybody else. But that's going to be interesting once again. But I would like to see him with Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson has not been with the caliber of a wide receiver like Antonio Brown. And despite Antonio Brown having someone like Ben Roethlisberger, the relationship that he, he wants with his quarterback, Russell Wilson has those characteristics that he wants. Um. So... Those are the things that I'm thinking about with Antonio Brown, and I hope that he gets it together, and I hope that he, I hope that the teams find him, and I hope that he find a team that suits him. But at the end, it's gonna have to work out their way, Antonio Brown. You're just gonna have to accept that if you really want to love and play the game. And alrighty, that is the end of the podcast. I hope that you have enjoyed um, the rest of your day i hope that you be safe through this hurricane around my area or during this virus wherever you at i hope that you be safe if you lost somebody my condolences to you if somebody is sick in your area or sick around you i hope that they uh get the help and i hope they get the healing that they need and i just hope everybody out there be real safe um and just another thing i wanted to add is also with the nfl uh with this nfl I'm not having an opt-out deadline. Um, my quick take on this is the NFL has never been or will ever be that organization as much as they want to believe it themselves. There will never be that armor or that big stronghold of a league that they think that they are because of the way that they're handling this. Um, and part of it is that some of it, you cannot put all the blame on them due to this virus and due to the fact that we're not talking about a group of 15 to 20 players or we're talking about a staff. We're talking about not about up to 50 or to up to 60 players. One could get affected and how much this can wildfire and spread out with to the point, the level of the risk that is even higher due to the amount of football players on a football team that is going to be concerning. So when we have people like McCourtney or Odell Beckham saying that we shouldn't play this year, it's to give them a reason why they should risk it. And when you don't have a plan, when you're willing to willing to give out plans or give out options, um, the NBA has postponed their season, and within a couple of months, they was able to find some way to make a bubble. Now we're looking at from that time, the NFL season had ended on February. This coronavirus started to be an effect or people start to realize the effect of it probably around the end of March, April or May. So 
the NFL season starts or supposedly is supposed to start in a month. Unless they're going to postpone the season, which they already canceled the preseason games. So we talk about towards the end of September or October. That's when we need to talk about. But there still yet has not been any plan. And it's kind of hard when you have this much of a population of players playing in a bubble. And so it's going to be very interesting how they're going to still try to figure that out. But it's always been about the dollar. The preseason games obviously would have put more money into these owners' pockets. But knowing the risk that it was going to take already want to play those amount of games by itself in the regular season. You just have to be willing to do what it needs to be done in order for this to be a possibility. So when you see pictures or when you see people on Instagram of these celebrities or these football players going out and dealing with a whole lot of people, with no mask on or not social distancing with a whole lot of people. Of course, this is your personal life and you do so what you, whatever you please. But if you want a season to start out, you have to do your part as well if you want to come back. But if you're saying there shouldn't be a season, but then you're doing exactly what you could be doing to most likely get infected and which can completely impact the whole entire league as far as how to go about this, then there is no point of having this conversation and just waiting like everybody else to see if there's going to be a plan or even if there's going to be a season or not. So that is my concern as far as the NFL. The NFL is going to do how they see fit. They are going to do what is going to save them. And right now they're already counting the preseason games as it is. So best believe they're going to try to figure out something. It's just that they're not willing to tell or as much as enthusiastic as it comes off to players about their priority as far as their safety has been put in at risk. So they're, therefore, they're already opting out. We've already got a total of 43 players right now in the NFL that has opted out because, one, it's just common sense. They don't want to put their family at risk. Or, number two, Y'all don't have any plan or have anything that sounds like something I would be interested in or willing to put myself at risk at to go out and do my job. But I don't know if the NFL is going to pull this off. The NBA might be able to pull off what they're pulling off. But as far as the NFL, the level, the capacity of the amount of players on one team and all of them being together, and then you're not even including the staff. You're not even including the staff that's working around these stadiums. And, and where exactly are you going to place this bubble at with that a magnitude of people? It's very interesting if the NFL can pull that off versus the NBA where you have just a certain amount of teams that are taken as far as their playoff position or all their record and to see if they're eligible of playing in the playoffs versus that limit the amount of players that usually will play in general as far as the whole league. But are they going to do the same thing when the season hasn't even started yet? So this is going to be even more interesting. And so no one else can really determine how this is going to work out with the NFL. But would I like to see an NFL season? Most definitely. Seeing Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, seeing Drew Brees get Emmanuel Sanders and have Michael Thomas 
um, to see Cam Newton with the Patriot way, to see how he would start out there. Um, you look at the Cleveland Browns, you look at Old Dale, you look at Baker Mayfield, them getting a new coach, and everybody's coming back completely healthy. Um, that's going to be interesting. So there's a lot of things um, throughout the NFL course that we all want to see. The main issue is before the season has even started, as the NFL, have they opted out as to for making a plan or even thinking about ways that they can go on about this because we want to know, the players want to know, and they want to know where is the bubble, where is this going to, even if there's a bubble that y'all thinking about doing or executing the plan, which is to try to find out an NFL bubble, that's going to be interesting. But once again, that was just a little thing I wanted to throw in there due to the NFL and their things going on. And on the next episode, we will continue to talk about that. But other than that, I appreciate you listening to the Life of the Game podcast. Um, And I hope that y'all have a great rest of y'all day. And I hope that you have a great rest of your week and be safe. Um, Do something productive. Be happy. Because even though with all of this stuff going on, we still deserve to have access to those things. So I hope that y'all have a great rest of your day. And thank you for listening. I'm looking at this game and I just want to cuss right through the TV. But I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You say, hey, you ain't playing. You ain't coaching. But it's common sense. This coach Stalkis, whatever his name is, I heard that he went to went to school to be originally a doctor. He should stick to being a doctor, because a basketball player, as, as a basketball coach, Nurkic do not want to play. He didn't play defense. He didn't rebound. I mean, he had two or three wide open layups that could have gave Portland a lead, and he just throwing it up there. Now you could say he's tired and he's exhausted. But, Lisa, you 6'9", you could easily lay that up. I'm just... I don't want to hear about Damian Lillard's finger. I don't want to hear about... I don't want to hear about Damian Lillard, period. It's like when you have all the evidence and then you have that real big chunk that you're missing to prove the point. And Damian Lillard, his skills, his talent, his resume as far as coming into the playoffs or the first round, it's a lot on his resume. But the big chunk of him ever getting a championship is not bound to happen. And not only Brett Brown should get a call from the front office, I think this coach for the Portland Trailblazers should get a call from the office because he had done the same similar stuff where it's common sense. I mean, just like last year. You're playing against Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. I understand they played against the best backcourt with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, but you got swept without Kevin Durant. And I know they were a 73-9 team, but it wasn't just Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. They had other guys. They had David West. They had a healthy Iguodala. They had Horace and Barnes. They don't have those type of guys anymore. They had average bench players. I'm looking at this game. Portland should have won this game. 
You mean to tell me they had, they went to the free throw line and had 40, 40, 40, 40 attempts and haven't even made half of them and they still won? Yes, I know LeBron James turned the light on and he scored 35. But you still was in reach to win the game. Y'all just didn't care. The Portland Trailblazers are tired or they just don't care. And that has been basically been their history, which I said it is going to repeat itself. So I am not surprised if this series now go to five games. Because I would have said that if Anthony Davis would have continued the way that he was playing and LeBron James haven't played well. But now that LeBron James has got a sense of confidence on the offensive end, and there's a most likely chance that even though Ron John Rondo might not play a certain amount of minutes, he's still going to help LeBron James be able, be able to be more comfortable. And LeBron James has shown tonight that he can do both. He can facilitate, get other guys involved, and also he can take over the games, which he has done. And another thing I'm frustrated about it's style because you got a top 15 all-time scorer who's in the rhythm. Why are you taking him out and resting him when the best player is not on the floor? The most hottest scorer is not on the floor. You keep Carmelo in there. He haven't done nothing the whole series. He hit two big threes. Other than that, he has not done anything. And he scores 18 points in the third quarter. And you take somebody like that out of rhythm. That quick. And it's sad that you have to use your best scorer, who's not known to be the best defensive player, is now being the best defense defensive player on the team when you have Nurkic. And I send my condolences to Nurkic for what he went through for these past couple of games, but it's unacceptable. I think it would have been best for him to just say he left for personal reasons or would have took some time to quarantine a little bit longer because the performance that Nurkic has put on, Nurkic has cost his team. I'm not going to put it all on Damian Lillard. I'm not going to put it all on Nurkic, but Nurkic is the reason why they lost tonight. Nurkic is the reason why they lost tonight. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I have never seen, even if the Lakers, even LeBron James scoring 35 and Anthony Davis finally turning his senses on in the third quarter, that's one of the most embarrassing, most sloppy games I have ever seen. There's no excuses. There's no excuses. That is why Portland, that is why Damian Lillard will never get to a championship because they have to do all they have to do because they don't play defense, because you don't rebound, because you just want to slide your feet and just hit everything that moves instead of you doing the little things. I mean, look at Nurkic playing a little bit of defense on LeBron James and made him step out of rebounds. It it, it it don't take you to be a Kawhi Leonard. It don't take you to be a Patrick Beverly to play decent defense. We need, I, I'm ready for, I'm really ready for the Western Conference Finals to start. 
I'm 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 not interested. I'm not interested in the I'm not interested. I'm not encouraged by the Lakers performance because y'all struggling against a type of team like the Portland Trailblazers, which I'm not going to sit here and contradict myself because I had the Portland Trailblazers winning this series, but after what I saw last night, they gave up. They gave up. That lets me know the way Damian Lillard and CJ McCullum played yet today, that's all they have in the tank. They don't have 48 minutes of a tank worth of a game anymore. They only can give you about two quarters worth of a game. Now, y'all can sit here and say, oh, Damian Lillard had 30 points. He should have had 50 tonight. He should have had 50. He didn't want the ball. CJ McCullum didn't want the ball. Y'all giving it the freaking. No. Y'all can say, oh, Damian Lillard had 34 and CJ McCullum had 26. At the point where it was meaningless. You take free throws out of it, they didn't have a great game. They had two good quarters. So that just lets you know, despite Damian Lillard having 34 points, despite C.J. McCollum having 26 points, despite Carmelo having 20 points, despite all of that, that lets you know that defense does win championships. And defense does matter. So everybody talking about here, trying to shoot threes and trying to be Steph Curry and all of that stuff, y'all can say whatever y'all want about Golden State. Yeah, they ran you out the jail. So there was very good defensive players. Klay Thompson is one of the top defenders in the game. Steph Curry, he's not all of a great defender, but he played decent defense. Kevin Durant, he's becoming a more of improved defender. Draymond Green, we already know that he was in the top conversation of being a defensive player of the year. So y'all need to get out of this notion that defense does not matter. And I'm getting a tweet right now. McCullum taking more shots than Lillard would not win the game. Thank you. And I know y'all say that their Nurkish look gassed. Nurkish look gassed since Memphis. He has been horrible in this series. That was horrible. I felt like I felt like that was more worse than like than the than the game too. And then really, Damian, this when I knew that something right ain't right down about Damian Lillard. You had Alex Caruso guard you almost the whole game. I see they double double team Damian Lillard like the first couple of quarters, but after that, it was pretty much. KCP or Alex Caruso guarding you, he should have easily had 55. Easily. When Damian Lillard has his best games, it don't even look like he's trying. He should have easily gotten 50 points. That was horrible.
So, I'm going to be one of those that was guilty thinking this game was going to go to seven. I'm not saying it's still not the possibility, but if they don't win, if they don't win Monday, they can go ahead and forget it. They can go ahead and forget it. That was horrible. That was horrible. And that just goes to show you, even though you score a lot of points, that could be from the free throw line. If we look at James Harden, the guy can easily get 30 points. But when we look at it in the playoffs, he's always losing in the playoffs because, oh, we look at how many free throws he made. But when it counts in the fourth quarter, they still lose. James Harden had 38 points tonight, and he still lost. And mainly it's because he can easily make his free throws. But when you look at his fourth quarter and third quarter highlights, you say where you was at. I know that other pe- you say other people didn't step up. CJ McCollum gave you 26. Carmella gave you 20. Nurkic played awful. Nurkic is going to hurt them. And Paul George just sitting here basically just being soft because you're saying you ain't no James Harden. You said that you ain't going home. And even though you and Damian Lillard have similar history as far as coming short in the playoffs, Damian Lillard has definitely have an edge over Paul George because there has been a stretch over two games, over two games. Paul George scores single points. So he's saying he ain't no James Harden. You are the worst version of James Harden and Damian Lillard. Because the past few games that you've been playing is awful. So, I know that these these NBA players, they was really hyped. They was really excited. They had a whole lot of energy coming into these, these, these this bubble, and they put a lot of energy in, in winning the games. And now you was making sure that you get your playoff spot, and then when you finally get there, you realize you don't have that much energy left. And I'm not defending a low management thing because – I think that that defeats the purpose as far as the chemistry as a team. That was just embarrassing. You're not going to win that way. 
He's throwing shots at Damian Lillard. And now you're throwing shots at James Harden. Let's me know that you're frustrated. And it lets me know that the truth is getting to you. That's embarrassing. You know, it went from good collective of basketball, and I know that you're going to go through a phase where you're not going to play as well, but the way that y'all playing in these playoffs and the rest that y'all getting, it's no excuse, man. It's no excuse. If you will play defense, and maybe if you would just go ahead and put the nail in the bun over a 10-point lead, you can get on the bench and get some rest. But when you don't play no defense, you're always going to have to feel like you got to do more than what you have to.